Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it will bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Psalm 132, 133, and 134. Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And the psalmist here is just beginning to address how David's heart was after God. And David put the desires of the Father above his own desires and that his desire was to please the father more than to please himself and that is embodied perfectly through jesus's life which would later be from the lineage of david jesus says i do nothing except what the father tells me uh, he, he jesus was deeply devoted his greatest devotion was to do what the father told him he wasn't reactionary to what was happening in the world you know sometimes we live our lives so reactionary you know action reaction action reaction but we're really supposed to be to the father and action and to the Father in action. That's how Jesus was able to even stop in the middle of a healing, a, a great a great time of healing, when there was still sick that had not been healed. And he stopped, and he said, we've got to go on to another town. He came down from prayer, and he said, now it's time for us to move. And it's because he wasn't reactionary to what he was seeing and touching and feeling, He was only reactionary to what he felt the Father telling him to do. And we should be the same way, having the desires of our Father above our own desires. The the Word says that when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we'll know the will of God. We have access to the will of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The difficulty is that we have a will also. There's a fleshly will. There, there, there is a will uh, within us for uh, what the Bible says is, is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? There, there's, John says that. And, you know, it, it's true. There's these sort of desires. We have these, these fleshly desires, and they, they combat the, the uh, will of the Father is our will. And so what we have to do is, 
ensure that we are seeking the will of the Father and coming before the Father and knowing His will and then executing His will and then putting our lives in motion of His will. And so David, in his heart, was so concerned, not with his own comfort and not with his own house, but he was afflicted. He would, he would, he would afflict himself um, just, just so that, or just until the father was honored, right? You know, it's a self-affliction. It's a flesh affliction until the father be glorified, until the father be honored appropriately, right? So it was really the concept of fasting even. It's, a, it's an affliction of the flesh until I'm appropriately honoring the father, okay? And, and so the, the psalmist is recalling how David's heart was, asking that, that the Lord would remember how steadfast David's heart was. And um, and then he says, Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy for the sake of your servant David. Do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priest I will clothe the salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. Then I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him I will crown with shine. <coughs> but on him his crown will shine. And so... Powerful passage is prophetic, of course, of the coming Messiah and of Jesus. And it's really, a, it's you You got to remember the the Psalms were written before Christ has come. We're, we're living in a time after Jesus has come. Um, our reflection is the same. It's just, and our hope is the same. It's just that in this time period, everything was to look ahead. Lord, remember the promise to David that, that the lineage would be forever. Remember, remember, uh, remember Jesus. God, we are crying and we're pleading by faith for Jesus, right? And our reflection is the same: is we're we're remembering Jesus by His stripes we're healed. You know, we're 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 remembering the cross, and they were we're looking uh, behind to it. They were looking ahead to it. And so, uh, you know, they're in a they're in a low place, and yet they're remembering the faithfulness of old, and they're remembering David's heart, and they're asking God to appeal to David's heart, and that he would keep his promise that he made to David and to Zion, and you know, it's very edifying to recall forth to memory, the promises of the Lord. You know, it, 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 
we don't really understand this well enough, I don't think. Because I think when we read these passages, I think it's I think it's strange to us. Because it almost is we're we're almost reading it like a you said you'd do this. You said you'd do that. You said you'd and it, you know, it to me I think it almost comes across like is it really appropriate or is it really reverent that I remind God of anything? Have you ever thought about that? Is it really appropriate that I remind God of his promise? Right? Is that really is that really appropriate? Well, the thing about it is 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 it's not that God's forgotten, but it's my faith to exercise that I'm remembering the promise and I'm asking him to do what I know that he can do. Okay? You are healer. Will you heal? That's me saying, I know that you can. I believe that you're able. Will you do it now? And it's not, so it's not, it's not a, 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 you know, a bratty kid. It's, it's a child that knows the father's ability and is declaring the ability and is standing on the promise and asking filled with belief. I know that you can. I know that you would. I know the promise that you made to David because of his steadfastness. And we're asking God, would you do this now? And so, and it's a powerful thing to declare promises to the Lord. Lord, you said in your word that you'd make all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I am asking you now, God, would you turn this together for good? Would you turn this together for good? The difference in that prayer versus, Lord, everything stinks right now. I need a breakthrough. Well, the difference in the two prayers is, in the first one, you already have stepped into breakthrough because you've already prophesied yourself out of the mess. Right? By speaking the word of the Lord to the Lord in the mess. The second one, you're just, you're just making a cry for help and you're not really, you, you haven't really spoke the word into the situation. You're just asking for God to come and be rescuer. And both prayers are prayers that we pray, aren't they? Right? But I feel as though the more powerful of the prayers is to pray through the scripture and to pray the promises of God. And he's, and he's, and he's not at all, um, he, he's not at all insulted when we do that. And it's not irreverent for us to do that because he knows that it's actually just by just those two prayers. The first one, I am more filled with belief and love and excitement and expectation for my father than the second one. The second one is actually filled with doubt because I don't believe that he's already working. But the first one is, I believe that he's already working because he said that he was working and his word declares that he's already working. And I'm asking, Lord, I know that you're working. Can you work? <laughs> right? And, and so we, we need to pray prayers like this where we're declaring the promises in our prayers. And that's what this whole prayer is. And, uh, you know, because he says, um, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. You know, you chose us, Lord. This is supposed to be your resting place. Would you rest here? You know, I mean, goodness, I mean, uh, you know, Lord, our nation was founded. We were supposed to be one nation under God. Lord, would you put us under yourself again? Right? You know, just, just this, this was our identity. 
would you would you fulfill the the not just the commitments that you've made, but the, would you fulfill the commitments that we've made? David set apart our nation as a nation that would consider your house over his house, and Lord, we need to get back to those roots again. That can be ple- that we can plead that over our nation, Lord. This nation was supposed to be one that was founded under you, right? And now we've tried to put ourselves over you, Lord. Would you humble us again? Would you humble us again beneath you? And so, uh, then it goes on and says, 133, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion. For... There, the Lord has commanding, commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is a really popular psalm and one that's quoted a lot. And it's really beautiful because it speaks to unity. <coughs> and anytime that there's a psalm or a passage of scripture anywhere that has such a commanded blessing, you need to take special notice to it. I, honestly, that would be a fantastic book. Maybe it's already been written or maybe, maybe the Lord will inspire me to write it one day. But it would be a really special book to just write a book consisting of nothing but the times where the Lord promised blessing. If you'll do this, there will be blessing. If you'll do this, there will be blessing. You think about Joshua 1.8 or you think about Psalm 1. If you meditate upon my scriptures, you'll succeed in all that you do. There's a blessing. I will bless you. Right? You, you know, and so there, there's a blessing. So, you know, just simple truths. Hey, if I study and dwell, meditate and speak the word of the Lord and think about it deeply, God's going to bless my life. Here's another blessing. If you dwell in unity, there's blessing. If you dwell in unity, if you seek unity, if you desire unity, then it flows. The blessing flows, right? It's almost like when we're in disunity, the the blessing can't flow because we're not attached to one another. And so the blessing, the blessing stops. It doesn't reach all the channels that it needs to, like when we dwell in unity. Because if we really dwell in unity, if God blesses one, he blesses all. If God gives revelation to one, God gives revelation to all, right? And so it, it likens it to the uh, the oil, which is the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit. It's poured down on the head, and that, that's because their 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 anointing was different than ours. They they were they were uh, they weren't as uh, frivolous <laughs> with their anointing. They just poured it, and um, they poured out just a a full jar of anointing just the, just imagine the oil and it's on the head and then it runs down the beard and then it's running down the collar of his robes and and it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountain of Zion runs down the mountain right so we just see that that we have to put ourselves in unity submit unto authority right you know Aaron was priest and so we have to submit ourselves under authority. We have to dwell in unity. We have to work for unity. We can. The enemy's number one tactic, what he desires more than anything, is disunity through division. That's all he wants, okay? And he's really good at it. He's really good at creating division and turning people's minds against one another. But when we work towards unity, when we have a, a desperate plea, I'm going to be unified. No matter what, I'm going to be unified with my brother. I'm going to submit to my pastor. I'm going to, when you put yourself into the, to that, to that position, 
there is a blessing that will that will fall on you through through the unity that you're dwelling with with your brothers and sisters. And when the temptation is there and the accuser of the brethren is trying to turn everyone against everyone, if you'll be a person that says, I'm going to, I'm going to maintain unity, God says, I'm going to bless you. Well, what about them? Well, they're such, they're such a so-and-so. It doesn't matter about that. You're thinking about this in the natural realm. I don't like the way that they talk. I don't like the way that they walk. I don't like the clothes that they wear. Okay. You're thinking about this in the natural realm. God says, if you're unified with them, I'll bless you. Can you maintain unity? Can you pray for their good? Can you bless them? Right? Because then there's going to be a unity that, that blesses you. Okay? And so we have, to, we have to work towards unity and pray for unity and have our eyes open to the attacks that would tear apart our unity. Okay? You know what's torn apart churches for the last hundred, several hundreds of years, thousands of years? Disunity. More than moral failure. Do you hear that? More than moral fa- failure. Uh, more than unrighteousness, more than more than sexual sin, more more than uh, you know anything Disney's doing, more than anything that's on TV, more than you know all this kind of stuff, more than drugs. You know what's tearing apart the church? Division. Our inability to maintain unity, right? Which is you can clearly see is the work of the enemy because Jesus said you, that the whole world will know you by the way that you love one another. That's the church, right? And he wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said, actually, just listen, uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, without love, you've got nothing. Okay? You know, and, and it's just, it's incredible. You know, he wrote, to, he wrote to other churches, he said, you have to make allowance for each other's faults. He wrote to other churches and said, you need to be thinking of ways to motivate and encourage one another. That's an assignment on your life, is to belong to a local body, to maintain unity, with every person in that local body. Unity is a concept you need to pray through because it's not necessarily that you're going to be best friends with everybody, but there's going to be no division between you and anyone. You're going to be unified. You're going to love. You're going to be at peace. The Bible says work to be at peace with all men. You're going to be at peace with all men. And then there's going to be a blessing on your life. And I think there's a a lot of people are missing a, a unique blessing because they won't submit themselves to the local body. They won't submit themselves to the authority of the local body, the pastor of the local body. Submit doesn't mean they bow down and worship him. It just means that you have reverence for him. You believe there's an anointing on him. God chose him in your life to speak life to you. All right? So you take the words that he says and the vision that he's leading, and you take it as your own and what the Lord is ministering to you. It's a little psalm, and I've talked for a long time about it, but it is beautiful. I think you should dwell on it and pray for God to give you a heart of unity so there will be a blessing released. Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you Servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Just a powerful, short three-verse psalm, but it says you need to bless the Lord. You need to bless the Lord. You need, you need to have a desire to worship God. And you need to lift up your hands to the holy place. You know, people think hand lifting is all that, you know, <laughs> but this is really something we created. Boy, we really came up with this wild, charismatic style of worship, right? It couldn't be further from the truth. You know what we've actually come up with? We came up with the hymnal style of worship where we sit down and we cross our legs and we, and we hum along. We, we actually came up with that. If we come up with anything, we came up with that. Okay. 
what, what, the sort of worship that was always commanded to us was that we would give all of our heart to God, right? That the songs don't really matter, and, and if there's a bunch of instruments or there's no instruments, none of that really matters. What, what really matters is that our heart is after God. And, and, the, and we're, our, the reason our hands are lifted is because we're surrendering to God. And, and, and we're, we're, we're stretching out and we're reaching for God. Like I've heard it said, and I, and I love it, it, it's like a child. And I, I understand this because I have four children and a fifth one on the way. And when I walk into the house, one of them is always sure to run up to me and lift their hands up to me. And it's, it's just saying, pick me up, Daddy. Hold me, Daddy. I need you, Daddy. I want you, Daddy. And, and so that's the same way that we're supposed to be desperate for our Father, worshiping our Father, surrender to our Father. And again, this is understanding this concept of not letting my soul tell me how to worship. I tell my soul how to worship. I go before the Lord and I say, soul, you're going to bless the Lord. Soul, you're going to lift your hands to the Lord. Soul, you're going to kneel down on the ground. Soul, you're going to dance. Soul, soul, you're going to, you know, this is what we're doing today. Okay, we're blessing the Lord because he's worthy of it. And when you start telling your soul how it's going to worship, and you stop telling, letting your soul tell you how you're going to worship, there is going to be a release of joy in your heart, gladness in your heart. A blessing in your heart. That and then the desperate plea for unity among your brothers and your sisters. God's going to pour out a special anointing on those of us who are really seeking this way of worship and unity.